Now tonight we are thrilled to have back with us. He kicked off our first services last year, if you remember, and um, and was such a, such a blessing to us. And uh, Eric Hansen was uh, my first choice of speakers for this year. I asked him before I asked anyone else. Uh, because I love this man of God. I love his heart and his passion for Jesus. I love that he is filled with the Holy Spirit and brings not just the word, but the word of the Lord. And so um, coming in from the Great Eye Worship Center in Springfield, Illinois, give a huge Riverside welcome to Pastor Eric Hansen. I am super excited to be here. I am going to share a word with you tonight that I have uh, never preached before, never shared before. Um, when uh, pastor asked me to come and to share, I, I immediately believed the Lord had given me the word, and then I sat down a couple weeks ago and, and began to uh, flesh out the message for this evening. So tonight is uh, fresh manna. Amen? Amen. So uh, I'm, I'm super glad to be here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor John, and, and to your staff, and um, inviting me to come back. Um, I'm excited to be here to see all of you and uh, put first things first. So, Father, tonight we come in the name of Jesus, no other name, not in the name of denomination or a pastor. We don't come in our own name. We don't come in the name of a church. We come in your name, Lord, and ask that your Holy Spirit would just rest upon us with just a nice, warm comforter this evening to encourage us, to bless us, and challenge us. And everybody said, Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I'm becoming more and more sedentary. Uh, the older that I get, I don't like to move. And... Uh, my doctor says I should move more, and uh, when I come into any given room, in a home or in an office or waiting, I, I don't know about you, but I immediately start looking for the most comfortable chair. You know, I don't think anybody walks into a room and says, I want the most uncomfortable chair. Why is that? It's because we like comfort, and then once we find that level of comfort, we don't like to change from that level of comfort, Right? Unless the pain of staying where we're at increases to a point greater than the pain that it would be to move. And, and that's, I mean, that's ultimately why we go to the emergency room. Right? I, uh, I uh, cut myself really bad uh, not too long ago. And, or whenever you go to the doctor, you know, the, the, they, they have this, this scale. You know. They say, how bad's the pain? On one being low and... 10 being the, like the worst pain you've ever felt. And you know what I'm talking about? This, this scale. My wife's a nurse, and so she always uses that on me. And, I, and uh, if you've come tonight and, 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 and you're looking to just hear a good word, you know, and, and go home, and like I really, I participated, Pastor. I get the participation trophy for coming the first time. That, that, this is not, uh, I'm not your pastor tonight, by the way. So I'm not here to hold your hand and to make you feel comfortable and all of those things. I'm going to bring a prophetic word to you that 
perhaps will make you uncomfortable and move the needle from three or four to five or six, you know. I don't know where you're at in your uncomfortableness with where you are spiritually because you won't change and you won't go to the next level until you begin to get uncomfortable with where you're at. Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Amen, Eric, that's right. That's awesome. Make me uncomfortable. That's why you're here, isn't it? I mean, a pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted, but to afflict the comfortable. So if you come tonight and you're afflicted, you're going to be comforted before the evening is out. Great worship, time of fellowship, and, and hearing the word of the Lord, the balm of Gilead just washing over your dry, parched soul. But if you've come tonight and, you know, you're just not really ready to move, I'm going to poke you. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to move the needle a little bit so that we can all, at the end of the evening, say, you know what, I'm so thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for what God's doing in my heart and my life. So the starting point tonight is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Being the first night of the first night, it's time to seek first. Get it? Seek first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And as I contemplated that, I was reminded of the verse in Revelation chapter 2, where the, where the Lord has ought against the church, and he says, I, gotta, I hold this against you. You've fallen away. You've forgotten your what? Your first love. Y'all remember your first love, right? I don't care how long you've been married. I've been married 33 years. I still remember this little girl in third, I think it was second or third grade. I just thought I just loved her. You've fallen away from your first love. Well, I want to begin to help you move the dial in your life of pain up a little bit. God wants to be first. The reality is that he isn't always first and that we have the ability to push him down the scale, the pain scale, into darkness. And that darkness begins to creep in on the edges of your life. God desires that he would come into your life as light, come into your life as light and push back the darkness. Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. See, God is a God of order. He doesn't like darkness creeping around the edges of your life. He wants light to come into your heart, come into your home, come into your job, come into your spirit. But first things first. Let's start here. <clears throat> I'm going to attempt to do something tonight, and that is preach about a four-hour sermon. So I'm going to talk really fast, and you have to listen really fast, okay? I will talk. I, I, I just hope that you don't finish before I finish. But I want to talk about a man whose name is Hezekiah. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to 2 Chronicles 29. We're going to discuss the 15th judge, the first 15th ruler of Judah, who was a contemporary of Isaiah and Micah, who took the throne in 726 uh, um, BC and reigned from the age of 25 to the age of 54, 29 years. 
on the throne. In fact, uh, before we start in chapter 29, uh, it actually says in chapter 18, verse 5, that Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Why is it that Hezekiah is such right behind David? Why is he such a celebrated leader? Why is he such a celebrated king? It's because he felt the pain of disobedience. And he decided to put first things first. His story will be our guide for the next few moments together. Here's his story. Hezekiah is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning at the first verse. He was 25 years old when he became the king. I like that because it tells me that you're never too young to really put things first. Uh, the older you get, the more you figure out that you're screwed up. Because when you're young, you don't think you're screwed up. But we older people know that you're screwed up. We're just wise enough to know that we're screwed up. You know that we're screwed up, but you don't know you're screwed up. But at age 25 or age 54 or age 99, we all have issues. Yeah? Okay, look at your neighbor. If you don't have one, they do. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah daughter of Zechariah, he did, here it is, underline it, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He did what was right. 25 years old. I don't know about you, but do you wish, maybe you were really super smart, but do you wish you would have started saving for retirement when you were 25? But you knew everything when you were 25, so you didn't, know, need, you didn't, you didn't need that, right? But if, just imagine if you started saving for retirement when you were 25 years old. Well, Hezekiah was well ahead of his years, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. See, the earlier you do things, the better off you'll be, whether it's the first night. And but by the way, it's never too late to do the right thing. Can I get an Amen. Verse 3, so in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord to do what? To do what? Do we have the scripture somewhere? To repair them. To repair them, verse 3. At the first month of the first year. In fact, later on we'll find out in verse number 17, it was actually the first day of the first month of the first year. He was on a repair mission. He opened the gates of the temple so that he could repair them. First things first. What's broken? 25-year-old takes the throne. He's feeling the pain. Judah is under, an, under some bad situation. Got some bad mojo on them. And he said, what are we going to do? First day, first week, first month. Let's open the gates of the temple and let's make first things first. Let's repair the place. I built my house a number of years ago. And so uh, now it's, it's creeping up on 15 years ago. And we all know what happens at about 15 years when a house gets to be about 15, everything starts getting creaky, right? The furnace and the washer and the dryer and, the, and we got the shingles. Now I got this furnace company that comes out in the fall and they do this regular maintenance. I say, hey, Eric, that little wheel, the thingamabob, the widget is getting wobbly and you're going to have to because you get, and it's ching, 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 money, 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 you know, maintenance and then maintenance on the car, Right? Y'all have that little sticker up in the left hand, right there, right in front of your right in front of your noggin, right? You see it. It's like, oh, I got to get it. I have to do maintenance. I have to make sure the thing is doing okay. I'm constantly reminded that things need to be repaired. 
particularly when I go to the doctor's office for my annual physical. A while back, my knee, my knee was causing me problems. Ever since I was a kid, I had knee problems. Finally decided to get it fixed. Wish I would have done it years and years before. It's never too late to do the right thing. Verse 4. So he brought the priests and the Levites, and we assembled them together in the square on the east side. Who's the priest? Now listen, we're going to ride a couple horses here tonight, so I just need to make sure that we're all on the same page. We're going we're to understand this from a contextual biblical perspective. We're going to dig into Isaiah's, or Hezekiah's life. We're going to know the ins and outs of the temple, and we're going to get the thing fixed and repaired and how that happened. But at the same time, I'm going to ride this horse of application for you and me. Because if I try to preach them separate, we'll be here till midnight. So we're going to do both at the same time. So that means you have to pay attention. Can I get an amen? Okay, good. So here's what's happening. We are the priesthood. He is, first thing he did, he got all the priests together. 1 Peter 2.9 says what? We are a chosen... Anybody old enough to remember that song? We are a chosen generation. Anybody? A royal priesthood. Okay, we, 1 Peter 2, now we are the priesthood. So the first thing Hezekiah does, he calls the priests together, priest together and he makes them stand on the, I don't know why the east side, maybe I should have you all, where's the east side of this room? Maybe we should all stand on the east side of the room. But this is what he said, verse 5, he said, listen to me, Levites. Number one, consecrate yourselves now. Consecrate the temple of the Lord your God, your fathers, and remove all the defilement from the sanctuary. To consecrate, well, that's a big $3 word. It means to dedicate, to make holy, to sanctify, to cleanse, to set apart, and to devote. To devote. Like Sandy and Danny, hopelessly devoted to you. If you're devoted to something or someone, how does that manifest? You give your time, you give your money, and it consumes your conversation, right? How do you know if someone's consumed with CrossFit? They talk about it all the time. How was your workout? How was your workout? Here's what I did today. I did 50 of these, 20 of those, 70 of those. Bowling. I had a 300 game. If... Whatever you devote yourself, you throw your money at it. If I, can, I can tell you what you're devoted to. Give me your checkbook, and I'll just flip through the last couple months. Oh, you're devoted to eating out. You're devoted to vacations. You're devoted to missions. First thing he says, devote yourself. Consecrate yourself. When? On the first day of the first week of the first month. That's why we're here tonight. Can I get an amen? So... He asks them to do this. Remove the defilement. <clears throat> they didn't hire a cleaning team. They had to do it themselves. Listen, I would love just to do a personal profile on all y'all and tell you how, how messed up you are and what you need to fix. How many of you know it's easy to find problems in somebody else's life? Well, the rest of you are lying that didn't raise your hand. So there's an issue right there. We have to do it. I can't do it for you. Pastor John can't do it for you. The counselor can't do it for you. Your neighbor, your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. Nobody can do this cleaning in your life except you. If you think, 
So listen, listen, listen. I'm leaving soon. You clean up the mess, right, Pastor? That's the thing about guest speakers. They blow in, blow up, and then blow out. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If, you want, if you're passing the buck, blaming your issues on somebody else, you got a problem. you got to fix you got to own it. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, if you've ever known anybody that's done a 12-step program, but number one is what? Step up and own the problem, man. This is my issue. I got the problem. I'm going to do my best to fix it. So if you, on your comfortable scale, you come here all comfortable tonight, and yes, it's, oh, it's church and great worship. Listen, I'm here to just to poke you and make you a little uncomfortable and begin to have you do a little bit of a self-examination and own some of those issues that have built up inside the temple of your own life and have you recognize it is you who has to do the maintenance. How do you do that? Well... You go home and you start deleting some of those bookmarks that you have on your computer. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Well, he's stepping on my toes. Well, maybe they're sticking out. Throwing away some of those DVDs that you don't think the kids know about, but they do know you have them. Stop sleeping around, getting drunk, addicted to your prescription drugs. Full of pride. Unforgiveness. Forgive them. Just forgive them. Unforgiveness is the acid that eats its own container. Just forgive them. Forgive them. It doesn't excuse their behavior, but forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. Verse number six, he says, Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and they forsook him, and they turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place, and they turned their backs on him. Our fathers were unfaithful the mess that you are the mess that you have in your life may not even be because of you i'm willing to make that concession because hezekiah could have easily said not my bad not my problem our forefathers did this somebody ought to clean that up but until you say even though this is not an issue that I cause, I am going to... I bought my wife one of those little vacuum sweepers that run around the house. You know what I'm talking about? Little robo, robobots or whatever you call those things. She loves carpet lines. She's OCD, so that's cool. And, and she, so it's really great. It runs while we're at work, and we come home, there's little carpet lines in the, in the thing and everything. But uh, it didn't... It had an issue. It had an issue early on, uh, several weeks ago, a month ago or so. So I called the company, and you know... You know this thing they call customer service? It's not, anyway, so, oh, and they start passing the buck, right? Oh, then I'll call you back, and we'll get that fixed, and then they never do. So then you call them back, and now you start taking names. You start taking names, and you can, well, now Tony said, when, what do they say? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible for what Tony did or what Tony said. So then what do you, I want to talk to a supervisor. You start working your way up until you find somebody that's willing to do what? Take responsibility for the problem, which means they have a heart to fix it. You may not even have a heart to fix that screwed up thing in your life tonight. I'm here to helpfully hope you, help you identify the fact that you're going to take responsibility because I'm not going to fix you. Pastor John's not going to fix you. 
The counselor, your mom or your dad not going to fix you. You need to step up and own up and say, you know what? If I continue on this trajectory in my life, this is the reason that I got saved in Peoria, Illinois, some 35 years ago. Right out by, right by the mall. In my truck at noon. That's a great story. I'll tell you sometime. I said to myself, if I take this little variant, this little deviant in my, deviance in my life, and I project that out over the next 20, 30 years, I'm going to be dead or I'm going to be in prison. He said, well, if things are going okay for me right now, let me tell you what. <clears throat> the shoe is about to fall. The thing about surprises is they surprise you. You don't know when your name is on the front page of the paper, when your name comes on the lips of the boss. You just don't know. So nip it. Nip it in the bud. You know what Barney Fife would do? <laughs> Own your own condition. So here's the charges. Here's the indictment. Hezekiah acknowledges the mess. His pain level is at 10. Here it is, verse number 7. This is the linchpin. Verse number 7. They did what? They shut the door of the portico and they put out the lamps. They did not burn incense present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. What didn't they do? Number one, they did not honor God. They turned out the lamps. Thy word is a lamp. They shut the door on the word of God in their life. You understand I'm riding two horses now. I'm telling you what actually happened to Hezekiah today. I'm making the application for you and me. When they shut the doors and they turn out the lamps, the lamp is the word of God. If you have if you've turned away from the word of God in your life, let me tell you what, you're in you're in a dangerous situation. The second thing they did is they stopped with the incense. And the Bible tells us, and we even sang it tonight, let day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Well, that, that, in the book of Revelation, tells us it's a type and it's a, it, it represents the prayers of the saints. Hezekiah owned this tragedy in the life of Israel. And that's why he became one of the greatest kings ever. He recognized that they had turned out the lamps and they'd stopped burning the incense. And what was the third thing they stopped doing? It said in verse 7, they stopped making sacrifices. They stopped offering, giving offerings. That's what we're going to unpack. Verse 8. We're going to put first things first. Therefore, because of those three things, the anger of the Lord uh, burned against them. It fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. And he made them an object of dread and horror and scorn. This is Hezekiah speaking, and he says, You can see with your own eyes. You can see it. I hope you can see it in your own life tonight. This is why we need good friends that will say, Hey, Eric, you're getting a little prideful right there. Hey, Eric, there seems to be a little greed right there. Hey, Eric, why are you so quick to snap on that person? Hey, and, you, and these are friends. Why? Because the Lord chasteneth those whom he loves. You need a friend that says, what's up with that in your life? Hello? If everybody around you is, oh, you're great, you're awesome, you're fantastic, you're going to find yourself in a ditch pretty quick. He says, you can see it. You can see the reason. If you right now were to get in a spiritual helicopter and fly over your life and ask, how come these pieces aren't fitting together in my life? How come I feel all disconnected? How come this isn't really going right for me? The Lord's going to show you tonight. Oh, look at that. You can plainly see. The word of the Lord is not in prominence in your life. Prayer has been snuffed out and your sacrifice of offering devoted to something other than the things of God. 
This is why our fathers, verse 9, have fallen by the sword. This is why our sons and our daughters are where? In captivity. They're in prison. They're enslaved. They're not prospering. Right? Because the word prosper, one of the roots of the word prosper, I'm an entire series back home preaching on this. One of the roots of the idea of prosper, he causes everything to prosper. Psalm 1 verse 3, Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans God has are to prosper you. One of the sub-definitions there is for you to break out like out of a prison. If you find yourself restrained, I, if the moment I start feeling shackles in the spirit realm, I go, wait a second, that's not God. I, I don't feel good about that situation. I feel constricted. That's a prison. You were created for freedom. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, why did God give me all this freedom? So you could be free? For, by, no, but for why? So you could be free. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. But now we are free. We are set free from the law of sin and death. Free. If you don't have a sense of freedom in your life, this message is for you tonight. If you don't like what you are when you're all alone by yourself, if you don't like who you are, you don't have to be that. You know what that's called? Freedom in Christ. Being set free. If you don't trust yourself when you're all alone, by yourself, in a strange city, and nobody knows your name, and no one will know what you do while you're there, you're captive. God has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 10. So here's what I intend to do. First thing. First things first. I'm going to make a covenant. That's a good choice, right? Verse 10, I'm going to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. A covenant is not a contract. We deal in contracts all the time. If you're a renter, if you own a home and you have a mortgage, you know all about contracts. What is that? We will give you this money. We will rent you this apartment, and you will pay us X number of dollars a month. That's the contract. And if you don't do that, you've broken the contract, and what happens? They say, you are under wrath. You are under the penalty. They they, they don't have to give you your apartment anymore. They say, get out of the apartment. They own the house. They say, get out of the house. Why? Because the contract's broken. The deal about a covenant is, and it's always made in love, it has to be because here's why. You will keep it even unto your own hurt. Even if they don't keep their half, you still will keep your half. That's what a covenant is. This is why you stand before the Lord when you get married and you make a covenant, not a contract. You, can, you make contracts down at, the, down at the county building. You make covenants before the Lord. See, There's a difference. So Hezekiah, and this is who we're modeling our life after, so that our pain, our, our pain level can get to such a point that we go, yes, I want to change. I need healing in my life. I don't like this thing. I want to move the dial from darkness to light. Come in light of God. Press that thing out because the word is not central like it should be. Prayer has lost its meaning and I'm not really making offerings and sacrifices like I should. And so the temple's closed up and dark. Verse 10, he makes the covenant. 
When you get saved, you enter into a covenant with the Lord. Aren't you thankful? That's a great covenant. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, you may have had an issue, but he says, I'll never leave you. There's a story about a husband and a wife, and they've been uh, married for a long time. And remember back when cars had bench seats in the front? Remember that? And she said to her husband, you know, you know, Sal, years ago when we first were madly and deeply, and they're driving down the road together. He's in the driver's seat. She's over there in the path. Many years ago, Sal, when we first started dating, loving, you know, we, we used to sit together, just snuggle so close together in the front of the car. And Sal looked at his wife. He says, you know, I haven't moved. The driver's seat hasn't moved. You know where God is? Right where you left him. You want the fire reignited in life? Go, go find him where you left him. And you know where that's at? That's the last time you told him no. That's the last time you said no. I'm comfortable enough right here. There's pain in that yes. So I'm comfortable here. And you know what the Lord does? I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Lord, I'm just loving you. I'm moving forward with you. I'm walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. It's all good. And then I get to this point right here, and the Lord asks me to do something, and I go, mm-mm, don't want to do that. That's going to be too painful. There's too many problems associated with that that are going to be my problems. You know, I'm just, but, but you go on, God. <laughs> and isn't that really the definition of backsliding? You think you haven't backslid, but in fact, the Spirit of God continues to move forward. You stay stationary, but the net result is you backslidden. I digress. I say, no, God, I'm not going. So he says, no problem. And then you begin to do the, oh, you, you still keep doing your ministry. You still keep hanging out with your friends and your families. And, and you put on the show of Christendom. And you keep coming to church. And you keep doing your ministry. And, and everything seems to be okay on the surface with everybody. But deep inside, you know the temple has grown dark. You're going to get serious with God? What's he going to do? He's going to go, remember where you said no? Yeah. Let's go back there now. You going to say yes now? Okay, let's move forward. Listen, I'm not telling you anything I haven't ever lived and done myself, ladies and gentlemen. The reason you're out here on a Wednesday night is because you do have some level of hunger. I'm not beating up the choir. I just think there's always more. I just think there's always more. If he's that big and he's that awesome and he's that magnificent and he's that stupendous and he's that amazing and he, he, you, you can't tap the depths of all the greatness that he is, then there has to be more than what you have and what I have. So I need a little bit of a self-evaluation. I need a maintenance check on, on the temple of my life. This is what Hezekiah is doing. Verse 11, you're going to see he... he uh, uh, they talk about the burning of the incense, verse 12, 13, 14, 15. I'm not going to read all of that to you, but that's all the people that got involved in this. And then what's interesting in verse number 15, verse number 16, the priests then, here's what finally happened. They got into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. We've decided, we defined that. And they brought out into the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean. How much? Everything. How much is everything? Listen. Hebrew was my language at school. You know what everything means? I'm going to give you the deep, dark, dirty on this. Everything, I did the research, means everything. 100%. Everything that is unclean. You know when you're trying to do that low-carb diet? 
Maybe not you. I do it every couple months. <laughs> you know that low-carb diet thing, you know? And you say to yourself, oh, just, just one donut. Or you go, you're going to clean the cupboards out of all those terrible things that you shouldn't have in your cupboard, you know. But you think, oh, man, I just bought that cheese popcorn. I hate to throw that away. It's not even open. We'll just push it to the back. What does everything mean? Everything, everything means everything. So they got in there, and they, purified, and they pulled everything out of the temple, out into the, out into the open, everything that was unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord, of the Levites, and they carried it out into the valley to the east, which is the Kidron Valley. I want to reestablish my life with the Lord. That's great. How do you do that? Well, you reaffirm that covenant with him. How do you do that? You drag all that darkness, you go into the temple of your heart and your life, and you say, what is in there that is not pleasing to the Lord? And you drag it out into the light. You drag it out into the valley of Kidron. For some of you, it's a reaffirmation, because you've already known the Lord, you've served the Lord, you love the Lord. But for someone here tonight that's never really dedicated their life to the Lord, I'm giving you perhaps one of the most clear, concise ways that you, that you, that you come into a right relationship with God. Notice that the affirm that the, the affirming of the covenant happens before the cleaning. What does that mean? You've been told, clean yourself up, then God will love you. God says, No, I'm making a covenant with you before while you're still dirty, while you're still filthy, and you got all that stuff. I'm affirming a covenant with you. I will not move. I will never leave you. Now, let's get to work on you. I promise you, I'll never leave you. So now let's get to work on you. That's called a covenant. So whether it's an affirmation or a reaffirmation, that's how it all, that's how it all shakes out. We all have that place in our life, whether it's the junk drawer in the kitchen. That every once in a while, you've got you, you to clean it out. Or the, my most recent was the basement. I just did some work in my basement. Like I said, I've lived in my house now for going on 13, 14 years. You know how much stuff you can collect in like 13 or 14 years? Early on in the ministry when I was in school, I was moving with this parsonage and that house and this apartment through school. And, and I, I moved like seven or eight times in, in, while I was in school after I'd gotten married and in school. And then my first pastorate before I came here uh, 25 years ago down the street that was great because when you move what do you got to do you got to throw stuff away because you don't want to move it right you either love it or you use it or you lose it that's the motto around the Hanson household you love it if you love it you can keep it for no other reason you can love it you, you love it or you use it but if you don't love it or use it then you lose it and it's got to go bye bye well, we hadn't lived by that rule for the last 14 years because my, my basement was full of stuff. What am I talking about? The basement, the junk drawer in your kitchen, or whatever that thing is, that is, that is a heart issue. Because you can clean yourself up, right? So you don't know the inside of me any more than I know the inside of you. But you know where those things are kept. I know where the junk in my house is kept, thank you very much. Those are basement issues. Mark 7, 21. For from within, 
Out of a man's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from the inside. They come from the basement of your life. So verse 17, they began to consecrate on the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of that first month, they finally reached the portico. There was so much junk. You ever watched Hoarders? That's what we got. So much junk. It took them eight days to get to the front porch. That's the portico. That's a lot of nasty stuff. Some of us hoard the injuries that people have have inflicted upon us, the hurt. And the Lord wants to heal you of that. Can I tell you a quick story about, about Malchus? Malchus, the high priest, a servant that went to arrest Jesus that night, remember? Peter took a swipe at him, cut off his ear. Remember that? And then what did the Lord do? Reached down into the dirt, put the ear back on. Can you imagine the story that he tried to tell Mrs. Malchus that night when he got home? The Lord just reattached it. It was amazing. But some of you, myself included over the years, have been wounded, even by well-intentioned Christians like Peter was that night in defense of his Lord. They've taken a swing at you, and they hurt you. They cut your ear, metaphorically speaking. There it lays in the dirt. And the Lord, on more than one occasion, has tried to pick it up and put it back on the side of your head. You'll know. I'm going to show everybody what Lucy did to me. She cut me. And you keep it in a little box. And you only bring it out when you're at small group. You only bring it out to lunch, work table. And you have an issue called unforgiveness. And you parade that thing out. Some of you put on a necklace even. And you parade it out, this thing, this hurt that you've got. I'm asking you tonight to do an inventory in the temple of your heart. Go down to the basement, get to the junk drawer, and begin to once again reignite the flame. Burn the incense. And ignite a passion, devotedness to the Lord. Eight days. It's easy, it's easy, but we have a propensity, a a tendency to make an excuse for why we have that junk in our life, don't we? It's rarely your fault, rarely my fault. Somebody put that there. I know it doesn't belong there. But when you injure yourself or you have an injury, what does the doctor tell you when you tell them, my pain level is eight, it really hurts? I'll tell you. I have in my hand, it looks like uh, the Zorro Z. You can't see it anymore. But this past summer when I was working in my basement that I told you about, I had a razor, razor blade knife. You know what I'm talking about? The old-fashioned gray, push-up-the-button kind of razor knife, right? And I was, cutting, I was cutting the edge. I was cutting the edge of a thing like this, and I couldn't get enough, I couldn't get enough downward pressure because it was a thick piece of plastic. So, so... I, I pressed this hand against the board. 
so that when I finally pushed hard enough, the razor knife slipped off the edge and literally all the way across the palm of my hand. I immediately said, that's not good. <laughs> I was home alone. And I, and I direct pressure, like I said, my wife's a nurse, right? So I have direct pressure above my head. So I'm walking around, what am I going to do? 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 Right? And so I'm, I'm going to watch TV. Cheryl will be home in two hours. <laughs> and I'm like squeezing, squeezing so hard, squeezing so hard. I, right hand, my right hand, I text my wife. I said, on the way home, get some gauze. So I text her. I said, on the way home, get some. She goes, what did you do? I said, don't worry. She comes home, comes right upstairs. She goes, let me see. I showed her. Boom. Two hours later, hadn't coagulated at all, man. Like, like Ronda Rousey's face. Just. She goes, we're going, we're going down to prompt care. So we go down there, and the doctor, uh, what does he do? Let me, let me see it. So he very gently holds my hand, and then he takes his two thumbs on either side of the thing, and he goes, hmm, like that. I said, do you want to die? So what are you doing? Because we have to look in there, and now we're going to have to clean it out because you got stuff in there. Well, I'm glad now, but at the time, the pain level was such, I wasn't so happy about it. But I had an injury. And until you're willing to clean it out, you can put a bandage on it. You can put all the, you know, triple antibiotic, but if you've got sawdust and all kinds of stuff down in the bottom of the heart, you're going to have to get that cleaned out. And you have to do it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, only you can do that. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not even here to tell you what to think. I'm here to help you think what you might do to clean those things out. Because the revelation that you get aside from me depositing it in you, if you have the aha moment yourself, that's what sticks. And that's what I want for you tonight. So they turned out the lamps. They stopped burning incense. And they stopped making offerings. So, verse 20, early the next morning, after all that was done, they cleaned it out. They irrigated the sore. They drug all the stuff out into the Kidron Valley. There it is, exposed it to the light. And I love what Hezekiah does now. He says, early the next morning. What is that? First things first. Don't stop. I mean, the speedometer says 120, right? Put the pedal to the metal. You don't know what you could do for God until you really clean it all out and go big time. So the very first thing, the very next morning, he gathered all, uh-oh, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. He gathered all the city officials together? What is that? Now he's going to tell everyone how messed up he was, how messed up they were. You know what this is? It reminds me of Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, 11. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and what? And what? The word of their, their testimony. When was the last time you shared your testimony about how screwed up you were, but thank God he came along and cleaned you up? 
You share with everybody. Put it in your Christmas letter. Put it in your birthday cards. Get I love you Jesus pencils and put them on everybody's workplace at work. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. And there's nothing more than a triple dog dare. Verse 21. They brought, here it is, look at this. This is the number of completeness now. Seven bulls, seven rams, uh, male lambs, seven male goats, and on it goes. They made a complete offering. So what has happened is they've gone in, they've reestablished the covenant, they reaffirmed their covenant, they cleaned everything out, they're honoring the Lord, they relit the lamps, they started burning incense again, and they made the number seven. They made a complete offering. Cleaning the temple, that's your heart. Reigniting your passion, that's why you're here tonight. Burning incense, coming back to prayer. I don't know how much you pray, but you could pray more. A phrase I don't understand is pray harder. I don't get pray harder. I get pray more. Talk to him more. That's good. Reignite the lamp. Pray more. And then this number three, this whole offering thing that they had to reinstitute. What is that? I'm just going to touch on two things. One is the actual offerings of tithe and offerings. And one is worship. Verse 25. Because after they made all those blood offerings with all those goats and all those bulls, then he stationed, verse 25, the Levites at the temple of the Lord. What did they have? Cymbals, harps, lyres, just the way that David had prescribed. And they made music right there with, their, with the Levites. They worshiped the Lord. Worship has always been and will always be central to the blessing of the Lord resting on your life. If you want 2017 to be a year of victory, you've got to put first things first. Clear the temple of your heart. Come back to prayer. Reignite the lamp. Give your tithe, your offering, and then worship. Hezekiah gave an order to sacrifice the burnt offering at the altar, verse 27. And as the offering began, singing to the Lord began. This is why when we take an offering... In a church service, it's part of worship. Your faithful giving, your tithe, your offering, that's part of worship. Not just with instruments, but with your giving. Don't think you can rob God and him not notice. Last thing I would want to do is go on vacation with God's money. Will a man rob God? Surely not. But you have robbed me, Malachi 3.8. How did you do that? In your tithe and your offering. Now, Eric, we're just about had it with you. Because I could deal with all that. But now you've worked in tithing? You've worked in giving money? Yeah. First things first. You want the blessing of the Lord to rest on the temple of your life. 
Affirm or reaffirm the covenant. Clean all the junk out. Light the lamp of the word in your life. Let the incense of prayer burn and continue to worship the Lord and tithe an offering and in the songs that you sing. You want to have first things first? You want the blessing of the Lord to rest on your life? That is the recipe. Is there anybody that's not on a low-carb diet that likes donuts and would like some donuts? I stopped by the donut. Yes, sir. What's your name? Yeah, Timothy. You are a lucky man, my friend. Stand up, would you? Look at this. I will, absolutely, buddy. Check this out. Check this out. Take a, look, take a smell of that. Just take a smell. No, just take a smell for it. Take a smell. You smell that? Sugar, yeah. carbs, grease. Oh, that one's yeah. maple. Look, look at this. Look at how beautiful. Can you see how beautiful those are? Don't you wish you would have raised your hand? <laughs> would you like to have these? I would like to. Okay, you can have them. Okay. Is there conditions? No, no conditions. Oh, okay. Any covenants? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I do have a request. You do? Could I have one? Yeah. Willingly. Yeah. You're happy to do that. Uh, ten, so you can have one. How many do you have left? You have nine left. Are you happy with nine? Because you didn't have you didn't have nine before we started our conversation, did you? Do you believe that all the gold is his, all the silver is his? Amen. Whose is it? It's mine. It's in my four hundred one k. It's mine. I earned it. You didn't wake up and you didn't have breath to breathe unless the grace of God woke you up, dressed you with a little bit of common sense, and put you out the door to make that earning. That's his. That's his. And he gladly takes care of you. All he asks for is just a little cream cheese donut back. Doesn't demand it. says, why don't you do that? Just to show me that you realize everything you have is mine. That's what I'm talking about. It's not hard to get our mind around it when you talk about donuts because you get everybody's attention when you talk about donuts. Clean the temple, light the lamp, and a life of prayer. So let's finish up. How am I doing on time, Pastor? Okay. He says, go ahead. All right. So they're worshiping, they're worshiping. Verse number, let's go to 30. They sang praises. Man, it was great worship tonight. I enjoyed the worship. I didn't know all the songs. I knew, I knew some of the songs. Great worship. Um, um, we, we, the name of the church that I pastor is called I Worship. I Worship Center. I know it's a little unusual, but it raises great opportunities for conversation and questions. But we love to worship at I Worship Center. And, uh, you know, whether it's 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes, I don't know, it can go longer or shorter, whatever, just kind of free-flowing like you guys and so forth. Um, and I, I used to be the worship leader all the time, and now we've gotten to a point we have, you know, a bunch of good worship leaders. And so I, I, lead, I lead maybe once a month. I'm not leading at all in January, but I did quite a bit in December. I love it. And, and I was at Walmart. <clears throat> you know Walmart? Yeah, I was at Walmart. Uh, uh, a while back, and the greeter there, walk, walk, I walked in, and, 
And he goes, oh, you're, you're Pastor Eric. I said, yeah. And I would say hi and shake your hand and enter in a conversation. And, and he goes, man, I was at your church last week. He goes, I really enjoyed the preaching of the word, man. The word was great. Preaching with the word was great. He goes, but that worship, he goes, that was too long for me. And I looked at him and I said, it wasn't for you. can't get tired of worshiping, ladies and gentlemen. Earth is the front porch of heaven. This is the rehearsal for what you'll do when you get there. And when you get there, you're going to stand around the throne and sing, holy, 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 for a week, two weeks, two months. No, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You'll worship him forever. This is it. This is it. So fall in love with this aspect of getting your temple clean. And that's falling in love with the sacrifice of worship. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Well, you know, I didn't know the, uh, I didn't know the words of that song. Well, we put them on the screen for you. Well, I don't like all those bright lights. Then you're not going to like heaven. His radiance is like diamonds. I mean, I mean, it's going to be holy, holy. Well, that fog is just too much for me. His voice is like thunder. The biggest. That's why I love. That's why I love thunderstorms in the summer. It reminds me of of heaven's subwoofer. I love to worship. Let's talk about the money one last time, and, and then I'll let, and then we'll wrap this up. Verse thirty-three: the animals consecrated because we're wrapping up. The, this is the end of the chapter. Can you believe that we preached the whole chapter tonight? Eight thirty-one. Can I just have another minute? The animals consecrated the sacrifice. About six. Now everybody's doing it, right? It's contagious. Do you know that once you clean up your mess? That's contagious in your home. You'd be surprised how quickly your kids begin to clean up their mess and your husband or your wife. Before you preach it into them, why don't you live it? Okay, that was good. Amen, Pastor. Okay, so now, now everybody's doing, I mean, 600 bulls, 3,000 sheep. I mean, everybody's making a sacrifice. Everybody's making a sacrifice. The priests, however, were so few... They couldn't even skin all the burnt offerings, it says. So their kinsmen, the Levites, had to help them. There was such an abundance. You know what kind of abundance we're talking about here? We're talking about a Sunday morning offering that Pastor John takes, and it's so huge, there's not enough, there's not enough offering buckets. There's not enough ushers to hold all the offerings. Can you imagine a church? Can you imagine an enclave? Can you imagine a, 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 a cadre, a, a gathering of a, a, a believers, whether it be 10 or, or, or 100 or 1,000, that, that get this word deep into their being and say, you know what, I'm going to make. And you know what kind of offerings happen there? Huge ones. To affect the kingdom of darkness. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished, it says in verse 35. And Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had brought about this and done it so quickly. How long did it take? 
16 days is all. He got to serve the Lord for 29 years because of what he did the first 16 days of his reign. They didn't honor God. That was the, that's what they were indicted on. They didn't honor God. They had forgotten about the covenant. They turned out their lamps. They shut the door. They stopped burning incense and making offerings. But a 25-year-old king knew how to restore the blessing of the Lord, not only to himself, but to his household and to his nation. And that was done when he did first things first. He cleansed the temple and he reaffirmed the covenant of the people of Israel. He relit the lamp and made the word predominant in Israel. He gave a complete offering, money and worship. And so for you and I, there's only one thing left to do. Determine whether or not we're going to use this as a template for our lives. I mean, I didn't do any kind of any kind of preaching gymnastics to make this relevant to, to you or to me. It's as clear as the nose on our face what we have to do. If you've never made a covenant with the Lord, tonight's the night you make a covenant with the Lord. Say, God, I'm yours. And he'll never leave you and never forsake you. But for those of you out early in a year like this, I'm assuming most of you probably have. So maybe there's an opportunity now to reaffirm that covenant with the Lord. Reignite the flame of prayer if it's not been a priority. Honor the Lord. Recognize the significance of sacrifice. If your heart just has not been in worship, if your heart hasn't been in giving your tithe or your offering, and you're wondering, what am I going to get out of this first week that Pastor John has put together? I think this is where you start. Clean the temple out, and I'm going to make first things first. Let's pray. Pastor John, would you come up and join me? I want to read to you one last verse. It's where we started with the life of Hezekiah. It says that he trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. So the altar call is tonight for you to trust the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Make him first in your home. Make him first in your heart. No matter how deep the cut, clean it out. Would you stand to your feet with me? The beauty of a word like this is it's not one sermon. It's 300 sermons. That each one of you, I pray, if you came with your heart open, have heard something that you say, if I employ that in my life, that could radically change my life. Or, here's the other choice, you can actually leave the same way you came in, carrying a severed ear, hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness, greed and covetousness, which is the heart of not making your offering or your sacrifice. Saying, I, I'm the Bible, I don't know that I need to read that much. I, prayer, I don't know that that's important. And you can leave the exact same way you came in. Or you can say, the reason I came tonight was to hear a word that would poke me 
and would prod me and move me to make 2017 different than 2016. Because if you keep doing the same thing, you'll get the same thing. But if tonight you say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rearrange my life so that I can see God move in those areas, then he will, because he'll never, ever deny his word. So let's pray. Praise God. You know, tonight as the Lord has spoke to us through his word, uh, as I was sitting there, I was saying, God, I asked you that some great preachers would come and bring your word to us. And I asked you that you'd send your word that we needed to hear more than a word that would just tickle our ears and say we had a great night. And tonight the Lord's done that. On this first night of the first services, God has spoke to your heart. And I'm not going to ask you to come and kneel at the altar for a long time. But if God has spoke to you tonight, then as we sing our last song, I want you to just come and kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm hearing, I'm hearing you speak and I'm ready to clean up the temple of my heart. I'm ready, Lord, to get it right. I'm ready to reestablish your word in my life and I'm ready to reestablish prayer in my life and I'm, I'm ready to listen to you with regard to the sacrifices that I need to make and to bring to the temple of the Lord. And so tonight, as we start this week of meetings, make this a start of saying, God, tonight I've heard you speak. Coming back tomorrow night to hear what you've got to say to me tomorrow night and Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. I'm ready, God, for this year to be a year of fresh dedication to you. I'm giving myself totally to you. Now, if that's you, then, then please come forward. I'm going to ask the team to sing us out. And as, as we do, you just come and just spend a moment at the altar. Once you're finished, no one's going to come and pray with you, touch you. You just get before the Lord now and say, I'm listening. I'm listening to your voice. You're definitely speaking to me and I'm ready for whatever you've got for me. And wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, whatever I need to get cleaned up, Lord, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you tonight. You spoke deep into my heart.